All right, I know uh, I am not Pastor Tim. I just said hi to him. Hopefully he's watching online. Uh, I am Pastor Danny. I'm the youth pastor here, if you did not already know me. Uh, on Sunday mornings, I would normally be leaving at this point. So we'd have kind of worship. We would leave. We would go to the youth group, and, and I would hang out with the young people. We would usually play some games and get into the word. Uh, when preparing for this Sunday... Uh, we were in a pastoral meeting, Pastor Tim was talking uh, about the, the series that we're in. Uh, it was there me, Pastor Tim, Pastor Mark, Pastor Sharon, uh, Deb and Cheryl were, were kind of going through the plans. And, and Tim's talking to me about today and, and how it's going to fit in the message. Uh, obviously, we just had Easter a couple Sundays ago, uh, and we're still in the waiting period. Um, biblically, would be uh, 40 days um, after to come to the day of Pentecost, uh, where the Holy Spirit would fall, and it would be amazing and awesome. So we're going through messages uh, about that. But in the youth group, uh, I am also starting another series, uh, and we are doing a series on the book of Daniel and talking about how Daniel lived his life and talking about spiritual disciplines. Uh, and we, we, we started this a couple weeks ago. Um, and, and I was talking about, well, maybe I can intersect, and, and we were just talking about how, for today, I could have done two things. I could have jumped in on, on the series that Pastor Tim was preaching uh, and, and given you a, a message that would flow in that series, or my choice uh, was I was going to jump into the series that the youth are learning and let you guys in on what the youth are learning, and I decided to do that one. So uh, I know Pastor Mark gave a great word uh, last week. Um, and, and, and it was powerful and moving, and Pastor Tim is going to continue on that series in the coming weeks. Uh, but today, you are going to jump in with us in the book of Daniel. Is that cool with you guys? So uh, I, did what, uh, I did what I do for youth group. I, I printed some papers. Can, can one of my, uh, you know, Leilani uh, and Angelina? Sure. Uh, I printed sheets. These are the sheets that I would give out to the youth in youth group. Uh, they have binders, and they keep all their notes, and, and they take all their notes. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys know this, but in the youth group of this church, we uh, it's not just like a, a babysitting time. Uh, in kids' ministry, it's not just a babysitting time. We are teaching the Word of God, uh, and I am inviting you guys into the series that we're on. We're close to the beginning of the series. Two weeks ago, I gave an introduction to to Daniel. Uh, this whole message is going to be about drawing close to God through spiritual disciplines uh, and drawing some of those things out of Daniel and his life. Two weeks ago, I started the series. Last week, while I was gone, uh, Adam uh, continued that series talking about how God is working in the background sometimes when we don't know and we can't see it, how God is always working on our behalf. And then today, I'm going to kind of give a word that is moving on through Daniel, but also kind of keeping you on track with what we have been learning so far. So we're going to stay in the book of Daniel, chapter 1. Before I do that, I do want to say this is, uh, a, this is an honor, a joy, and a privilege to speak uh, to all of you guys. Uh, I love any chance I get to share the word. Um, Obviously, I'm, I'm hanging out with all the teenagers every week, but to have some adults in the room is kind of cool. Uh, I, I would say that I, I have 
spoken to a lot of different age groups. Like young people, younger than uh, youth group, it's fun because they'll really like eat up everything you say and, and be involved and, and do everything you ask. Teenagers, on the other hand, if I say something weird or something cross, they're just going to look at me funny. They're, they're going to they're gonna throw me under the bus. They're going to shout out random things at me. Um, and then adults, you guys are very wise. You guys... Um, want to make sure that I'm going to teach the Word of God, which is good. But a lot of times I feel like, and as an adult myself, I feel like um, sometimes uh, I've read this story before, so I, I don't have anything to learn. Or sometimes I could feel like, and this could be a thought, oh, I, I've heard this before, what else is going to happen? But I'm hopefully teaching our youth group, and hopefully through our church, we're lean, we're, we are hearing and learning that we should be lifelong learners. That no matter how many times you've heard a passage from the Bible, no matter how many times you've gone through a certain story, uh, I feel like God is always going to be speaking to us. On Wednesday nights in youth group, we are doing a Bible study and a discussion. So we'll, we'll read through the Bible, we'll read through a section, we'll discuss, and, and a lot of times uh, we'll come to the same sections and stuff we've, we've read before, because over the years we're reading through a Bible plan that reads it through the years. So year after year we'll come to like the same sections. And it has been a joy with the young people of our church, seeing that it is not just reading a history lesson, it's not just reading a book, but with our young people, I'm really teaching them that we're hearing actively from God, and he's speaking to us through the scripture uh, for something that is for our day, for today, for right now. So every time we open the word, that that is what we're doing. We're not just reading a history lesson. Uh, we are hearing what God has for us. So you, are you open to hear the word of the Lord this morning? Good. So Daniel chapter 1. I'm going I'm to open my digital Bible. If you have your Bible, you can open to Daniel chapter 1. Uh, if it's digital and you can change the translation, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation today. And I'm going to kind of catch you guys up with what we've been talking about the last couple weeks. And as I go through, oh, pens. Sorry, I didn't bring pens. If you don't have a pen, you want to go to the outlet and get a box of pens. Okay, do you have keys? If someone needs a pen, we're going to make sure you have a pen. It, just like youth group. This is what we do in youth group. We get ready. Usually we play some games. I was, uh, I was actually kind of sad. I was hoping Sam would run up and grab the mic and give us some hype. Samuel. I'm missing him? Oh, there he is. I was hoping that right after worship he would run up and give us some hype. You're, you're going to do it, Sam? I have some announcements. <laughs> All right, welcome to youth group. How y'all doing this morning? Yeah. Outlet events, fifth grade preview, May 22nd. If you have any fifth graders, make sure they come to the outlet. We're going to welcome them with open arms. Wednesday night special, May 25th. The theme is Star Wars. Make sure you guys come. 
That's it. Thank you. Good job, Sam. He, he normally, when we get to youth group, will hype us up. So hopefully you are hyped up and ready to go. Now that Angelina has caught, brought the pens back, uh, we're, we're doing full youth group. Today actually is not Youth Sunday. We do have a Youth Sunday planned uh, for the month of June. So you're going to get us all over again. So hopefully you're having a good time. Um, you're going to get us all over again. If you want a pen, please raise your hand and Angelina will bring you a pen. All right, I hope there's enough. There's probably enough. There's a lot of pens in there. So we're going to read our scripture in just a second. While she's handing out pens, I am going to emphasize uh, fifth grade preview that, that Sam just talked about is Sunday morning, May 22nd. So in, after worship, instead of the fifth graders going to the children's classes or life kids classes, the fifth graders are going to be invited to come to the outlet. Uh, they're going to get a preview of what youth group is all about. So they're going to get to join us in youth group. Like Sam said, we're going to be very loving and welcoming and give them a little taste um, uh, of what youth group is about. They're going to get to hang out with us, play some games with us, get into the word. It should be a fun time. Uh, so any fifth graders, they're going to get ready to... Um, see what it's like coming to youth group. But our big event, and actually fifth graders are also invited to this, our big event, which we haven't done a Wednesday night special uh, in a while, um, is our Star Wars-themed Wednesday night special. Are you guys excited, youth? Are you guys excited, Wednesday night special? Um, it's going to be Star Wars-themed, so if some of you parents out there or just adults in general, anyone who's not 6th to 12th grade, uh, you're like, Star Wars, that's cool, that's awesome, I want to be involved in what's going on. Uh, I will take volunteers to help out if you want to get involved. Uh, but for our young people, it's going to re be really fun. We're going to have like a lightsaber duel. We're going to dress up as, um, as different Jedi and Star Wars characters. It's going to be really fun. It's a really awesome time to invite friends, so make sure you do that. But ultimately, we're going to talk about the battle between good and evil. We're going to talk about light versus dark. Uh, it's going to be a really, hopefully, a really impacting time for, for our young people's lives. So that's what's coming up. Thank you guys for, for, for coming along. This is, this is turning out to be an outlet Sunday. So we're here. We're going to get into the word now. Daniel chapter 1. And through the book of Daniel, the idea is as we go through Daniel's lives, we're going to pull out things that he did that helped him stay close to God, that helped him succeed and prosper. Um, and we're going to ask that, that God would do those things in our lives also. Uh, Daniel in Nebuchadnezzar's court. Daniel chapter 1. During the third year of Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. This is obviously the people of God, the people of Judah in Jerusalem. And it is getting besieged. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. 
Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah, Abednego. I'm going to pause there. We're going to read more. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I, I gave a whole three-point message on one thing that I'm going to give you guys for point number one today to kind of catch us up. Um, point number one today on your little piece of paper, and if you want to take extra notes, that's at the bottom, but point number one is going to say, stay who you are. Stay who you are, who God made you to be, God made you in his image. God, when he made you, said that you are a masterpiece. God, when he made you, said that you are his very best. God, when he made you, called you a royal priesthood, a holy nation, one of his own. And I am not just talking to young people in the room when I say that, because young people are not the only people that deal with identity issues, that deal with self-worth, that that deal with having other people trying to take away their identity. And yes, young people, we might be trying to find out who we are and and establish who we are and who God has called us to be, but that is not something that you just get figured out once and you're good your whole life. Am Am I right, adults? We are constantly on a battle to stay who we are and who God has intended us to be because the world wants to take you out of your comfort zone. The enemy wants to steal away the things that are important to you and might even want to steal your name, your identity, and call you something else. And we see that happening in this story, right? So not only is uh, Jerusalem getting overtaken, they're, they're under siege from, from Babylon, and, and, and they are becoming uh, a new leadership. The Babylonian leadership is taking over. So not only is this happening, they're captives, they're taking over, they're, there's a new government, it's been overthrown. They're taking away, it says they take away all their old relics, they, they take away the things that are important to them, they, they start uh, tear, tearing down all of the important stuff to the, to the people of God, and, and taking that, and then putting it, it says Nebuchadnezzar took it and put it in his own temple to his own God, which is not the true God. And he takes that stuff away. And he even says, you know what I'm going to do to these people? Not only am I going to control them and overthrow them, I'm going to take some of their best and brightest up-and-coming young people. I want the top of the class, the best-looking, the the people that are on the fast track to be the next uh, leadership. 
I want to take them, and instead of watching them do what they were supposed to do, I want to take them, and I want to train them in, in Babylonian ways. I want to train them, uh, and I want to take them from my royal service. So I'm going to take away exactly who they were supposed to be and take them and make them who I want them to be to kind of set an example to everyone else that this is what you have to do. This is what you have to follow suit. You have to become Babylonians anymore. You are not, no longer the tribe of Judah. You are no longer the people of God. You are no longer who you thought you were. I'm going to take all of that from you, even so much so that when he picks four of them, Daniel, I like that name, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, he takes them and he he overthrows everything that they knew, and he even takes away their names. He says, you're no longer going to be called Daniel. You're no longer going to be called Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. But instead, I'm going to give you Babylonian names because you're a Babylonian now. I'm taking everything of who you are, and I'm going to train you to be Babylonian now, and you are going to be Babylonian. So you're no longer those names. You're Belteshazzar, you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, have, have you guys heard some of those names before, besides in this story? You've heard the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You, later, uh, and young people, we're going to get into it. Adults, you'll probably miss this one. But we're going to get into it. They, they get sent into a, a fiery tomb at some point. But I, I find it interesting that when we hear the story, okay, even if you just think of, think of when you heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Is that how you heard it? Did you hear Daniel in the lion's den? Or did you hear Belteshazzar in the lion's den? What did, you, what did you hear? Daniel in the lion's den. For some reason, Daniel was able to hold his name in the history books. I don't know how this happened, but we, we know him more as Daniel. But for some reason, when we think about the story of those three dudes in the fiery tomb... What names do you remember hearing about that? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't know how that happened because these young men were, were both denying what the enemy was trying to do, denying what the overthrow of Babylon was trying to do, and, and stick to close to God. But for some reason, I, and I was pointing that out two weeks ago, it's interesting how, for some reason, we know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego instead of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Uh, that's just a side note, but I think it is important that we hold our identity, that we stay who we are. Uh, when I was younger, I was really into skateboarding. I, I like to tell stories. Hopefully that's okay with you guys. Uh, when, when I was younger, I was really into skateboarding. You guys have heard my stories before if you've been in youth group. Uh, I was really into skateboarding, so much so that um, I was skateboarding in the Antelope Valley before I think there was any type of skate shop around. Uh, we would skate around. We would have to order our skateboards and our gear uh, through CCS, which you it was not online. You got it, uh, the magazine and you mailed it in and then they mailed you a skateboard. Um, other areas had skateboarding shops, obviously, but the Antelope Valley, at least as far as I knew, um, didn't have one until there was this skateboarding shop called Pharmacy Ride Shop, which came in. And the first one was over there on 25th Street East and Avenue S. 
I don't think it's there anymore. Uh, but there are a lot of pharmacy ride shops still in the Antelope Valley. I think there's one even in the mall. There's one on Lancaster Boulevard. They've survived. Uh, they're doing good. But I remember the very first pharmacy ride shop when it was coming into town, and me and my friends were excited. There was no skate park anywhere, so not in Dominique Massari, not at Marie Kerr, not at Jane Reynolds, or the other one in Lancaster. There's a lot of skate parks now, which is cool, but back then there were no skate parks. Uh, so we were just... Uh, Good, good children, but in order for our skateboarding needs, we were over there at the Spudnut Donuts doing the five stair and the little rail that went by, and uh, this is before they started getting smart and putting like all the little things so you couldn't grind on stuff. So we were skateboarding around town, me and some friends. Uh, and, and then we went over to the KFC and they had like this long ledge and we would uh, skateboard and grind and do all the stuff around there. Uh, and in that area, they put that very first pharmacy ride shop. And I was excited. Me and some friends were really excited about it. Uh, I remember they, they put up the sign pharmacy ride shop uh, before the store was actually open. So we would go over there and we would actually help the, the people that actually worked there. We would go and, and act like we're working. We were like helping put shelves in the store, helping stock and all this stuff. And I rem actually remember this, the very first piece of actual branded content that Pharmacy had, uh, they didn't have their own skateboards, they didn't have their own clothing, they didn't have anything at the time, they were just selling like other companies' boards. Uh, and I remember they went to open the box, and I, and I vividly remember this, they opened the box, and they open it up, and it was the very first piece of pharmacy ride shop apparel. It was a blue shirt. It said pharmacy ride shop in white and had some red stars on it. And, and, and they were like, here, wear these shirts. And like, I didn't work there. I was just like a skater kid. Uh, and, and they gave me, me and my friends uh, some, some apparel. And they said, wear these shirts around town. And I was like, yes, free stuff. <laughs> uh, but I got to represent our skateboarding shop, pharmacy ride shop. And then by the time I got to high school, they put in, uh, this is probably like the same time, they put in the skate park at Marie Kerr. So I remember me and my friends, I had some other friends that, that were skateboarders also. I had a friend named Shane, I had a friend named Steven, and I had a friend named Brian. And when, when you're skateboarding, it's, it's an active sport. I, I, I'll call it a sport. It's in the Olympics and stuff like that. It's an active sport. Uh, it's, it's a lot of hard work. You're out there, obviously, uh, sweating and riding around and, and jumping around and doing all these tricks. And yeah, it was active. Uh, so most of us skateboarders were like 14, 15, skin and bones, really, really skinny, just riding around skateboards, but my one friend Brian, he was not the classic skater dude style. He was slightly chubbier than the rest of us. And one of my friends, I actually don't remember who said it first, but decided to rather than call him Brian, he's like, I'm not going to call you Brian. From now on, I'm going to call you Nugget. Can you imagine that? that I mean, teenage boys, I can imagine it. But it kind of stuck, and he was like, no, I, my name's Brian. And he's like, nope, I'm calling you Nugget. So for a while after that, a bunch of my friends actually started calling him Nugget. And I don't think I was in a place to say, hey, hey guys, he doesn't like that, so don't call him. Like, I, I wish I would have said something, but... <laughs> 
thinking back now, I'm like, that was kind of, that was kind of rude. That was kind of messed up. He even said he didn't like it at first, and then finally they just call, kept calling him Nugget, and he just went along with it. So finally they're calling this kid, hey, Nugget, come over here. He's like, okay, skating around, and, and he's, he's meeting up with them. But there's something about that idea of what someone calls you. And at first he's like, no, I don't like that. But then, after a couple times, and people not saying his real name and just calling him Nugget, he's, he just started responding to it. He's like, you know what, I'll, I'll, okay. And he just started responding to it. And then he was Nugget. He's like, hey, Nugget, come here and do this and that. And we're, we're doing all these things. And, and I was thinking about this week, about taking someone's name and trying to change it. I think that some of us might have actual real stories of someone trying to give us a nickname that we didn't like or just, just try to call us something else besides our name, which some of us might relate to, but for the majority, I don't think we do, but I do think that a lot of us, even if it's not your name, have been called something that you do not take as who you are. I think that some of us have been called something that is hurtful, and, and for some reason, if enough people say it, you start believing it. And this is not just young people, although um, I think it is young people, but it's also some of us adults also. Uh, I, I just was able to come back, flew in yesterday, from Portland, Oregon. We had an awesome trip. If you guys uh, are following any of us on social media, you probably saw some pictures of us at the airport and in Portland and all these things. We had a good time. We were chasing waterfalls. Um, we, were, we were going on these little adventures. We went up this really tall column. Uh, we, we took Pastor Mark back there is on crutches. So he's still on crutches. He didn't get to go to the top of the column. But we went to the column in Astoria uh, we went up and around there. We did some fun things in Portland, Oregon. But we were in Portland for Pastor Tim's graduation, and it was awesome, and it was amazing, and we were able to celebrate his accomplishment. You can give him a clap. Uh, when he comes back, obviously he's still Pastor Tim, but you can also call him Dr. Lee because our pastor uh, now has his doctorate in ministry. Um, and it's just amazing to see his progression through schooling. And, and Pastor Tim is not shy from, from saying these things, so I'm going to use this story because we literally just came back. So on Thursday, he got his doctorate. But there was a time in Pastor Tim's life where he was told that he was stupid over and over and over again, that he thought, he could never even graduate high school. He thought he would never graduate high school. He, thought, he, he was convinced that he was stupid, that he was dumb. And now he's, he, he just graduated with his doctorate. He needed some encouragement. He needed some love. He needed to find the, the actual route and avenue that was right for him. Uh, maybe algebra or calculus or, or whatever math classes he was taking weren't the things for him. Um, 
but he was able to graduate with his doctorate after, and this is not just one person, this is many people saying, well, maybe you're just not, maybe you're just not smart, maybe you're just not meant to be a student, maybe education isn't your thing. Well, that is not only uh, Dr. Tim Lee, but that is Professor Lee, he's uh, a professor <laughs> at a university, and that is one story. I think a lot of us have stories about that, where maybe you were called something, and let me tell you all that God made you in his image. If anyone tells you, and it seems so silly and it seems superficial, but it still goes against, it still makes us feel bad when someone calls us ugly or tries to talk about um, features about our body that we have no control over. Oh, you have that birthmark on your face or the ear or, or your hair is this or, or that thing. And, and for some reason, the world is so vicious and it tries to uh, make perfect idols out there that are, that are perfect that the rest of us think that there's, there's no way that I could be this or that. I have to have this clothes. I have to have my eyebrows shaped in this perfect Nike swoosh or, or however it's going. Um, we, have to, we have these beauty standards that are out there that we feel like if we don't stand up up to these things, then we're no good. And maybe that person was right. Maybe I am ugly. And if enough people say it, we start to take those in. And we start to live under that pretense that I am stupid. I am ugly. I'm not worth it. I don't have any value, so I might as well uh, push away from God who can never love me. Uh, I can't pursue my goals because I will never achieve them and stuff like that. And we get ourselves locked up into a place where we start feeling like our identity has been taken away from us. Hopefully that's none of you guys this morning, but if it is, you guys can break free from those false identifying markers that people have put on you and you can come back to who God says that you are because God says that you are valued God says that you are loved God says that you are called and God has a plan and a purpose for your life he says that he wants the best for you and even though the enemy tries to steal and kill and destroy I want to give you the very best I want to give you an abundant life the best life possible. Now that looks different for us, but there are some things that are, that are the same. Now we're all called to draw close to God. We're all called to, 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 to share his love. We're all called to make disciples, but we're all going to do that in different ways. Now, I had some skateboarding friends back in the day that I was able to uh, uh, finally, maybe I didn't stand up for Brian uh, being called Nugget, but I was eventually able to, to tell some people about Jesus and tell them that God loved them that I would have never met if I wasn't a skateboarder. And there are some of you guys that because of the situations that you're in, whether it's work or whether it's school or whether it's a hobby or whether it's something, there is someone in your life that will not be able to hear about the gospel, about Jesus, if it wasn't for you. Now, I personally am into some, some niche hobbies. I like esports. Okay, hope maybe there's someone out there that's playing video games that needs to hear Jesus. I also like uh, a sport called ultimate frisbee. 
Maybe there's someone out there uh, playing Frisbee uh, that I could meet and tell them about Jesus. Now, I'm just one person, but if you think about all of you guys and then uh, the places that you are, whether it's at work or whether you're into what cool things you're into, uh, robotics, RC cars, doing, uh, doing makeup, being a mechanic. I don't know. The things that you're into, whatever your thing is, think of it right now. I bet there are people that are into uh, color guard and flipping the flags that you could tell about Jesus that won't hear about it any other way. You could be the ultimate Marvel super fan uh, and meet some people uh, because you are into Marvel and tell them about Jesus. You, you are in situations that there are people around you that need to hear Jesus because you are there. Don't let anyone take away your identity. You need to stay who you are because God has made you in his image. He has called you into his family and said that you are his. Point number two. I'm going to say point number two real quick because I didn't even read it yet, and then we'll read through it. Point number two. So we talked about the things that people might try to take away from us or identify us. Point number two is do not defile yourself. So the first one is about what other people might do or try to put on us. The second one, do not defile yourself. So in verse 8, Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, it says, Daniel was determined not to defile himself. By eating the food and wine that was given to them by the king, he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, I am afraid of my lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I am afraid the king will have me beheaded. He's like, not only are you not going to do what the king wants, you're going to get me in trouble too. <laughs> Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I like their real names there. He says, please, please, so this is Daniel's proposition, please test me out on this. For 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said, at the end of 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food, all of the luxurious stuff. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. So Daniel here is saying, I need to be separate from what... King Nebuchadnezzar is doing with everyone else. I need to be separate. I need to be separate from that. So the first thing that he thought of is they get there, and they're going to start training up these young men how to be in the National Babylonian Guard. Uh, the first thing that they're going to do is they're going to start getting them getting them physically ready, start feeding them all the luxurious food, uh, giving them uh, all, all the wonderful things they can think of, start training them to be strong and muscular and powerful and all of these things. And Daniel says, whoa, 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 first things first, right away. Not only are you not giving me some new name, I'm going to be who I am, but I am not going to defile myself because God has told me. And he says, I'm not going to do that. And this attendant is like, what? 
What are you even saying? You're going to get kicked out of the, the you're going to get kicked out of the the king's royal guard here. You're going to get me beheaded. This is not okay. And Daniel says, "Let's just test it out." For 10 days, you could feed them all of the amazing stuff, and I'm just going to eat vegetables. Me and Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael are going to eat vegetables. At the end of the 10 days, we're going to see how we look. Sorry, verse 15. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. Wow. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. That's going to come into play in the future here. Um, God told Daniel to separate himself. He told him not to defile himself by eating all of the, the, all of the Babylonian foods that he felt God was telling him not to. In our lives, there is going to be things that we know are sinful. Um, we know the Ten Commandments, steal, stealing, killing, uh, all of these things are bad. Um, but then there are also going to be things that God tells you. And for you to go against what God is telling you, what God is calling you to, what, what God is asking of you, is also defiling yourself. Now, is eating, uh, is eating all the delicious, yummy foods a sin? Well, no. In the New Testament, we see the veil is dropped. That, that stuff is not a sin. It's not a sin issue. But if God tells you, I need you to go on this fast, I want you to do this. If God tells you, I need you to not do that sport or that activity. Or if God tells you to do this or that. Or God tells you to go reach out and pray for someone. Or God tells you to go do a certain thing. Well... It might not be a sin issue to play the video game, but if God told you to refrain from that, then you're defiling yourself and you're going against what God said. For Daniel, it might not have been a sin issue to eat the, some of the food. Some of them might have been sin issues because the uh, Jewish people did have some pretty specific things that they weren't supposed to eat. So some of them might have been actual physically defiling in their culture. Um, but it also might have just been God saying, don't do this. Don't eat any of that because I need you to be separate. I need you to be distinct. I need you to separate yourself from what everyone else is doing. So if God has called you to do that and you do not follow through and if you stay away from doing what God has called you to do or you do what he's told you not to do, that is defiling yourself. If you go out and you start sinning, you start messing up, and you start doing all of these things, this is going to put a divide between you and God. Now, luckily, we live on this side of the cross, 
Luckily, Jesus has already paid the price for our sin. He's already paid the price for our dirt and our filth and our defilement. There is nothing that you could do that would be beyond God being able to give you salvation. But it is a separation. When we sin, that is exactly what it is. It's a separation from God. When we sin, we are out of his will. We are out of his presence. And when we ask God to forgive us of our sin, we are washed clean, we are made whole, and we are with God, present. That is what we have in the New Testament because the veil was torn when Jesus took the cross and paid the price for our sin. And when he rose from the dead, he showed us that we can have new life in him. But when we allow these things to come in our lives and get us dirty and gross and filthy, or even the things that may not be actual sin issues, but God said, I don't want you to do that. There's no, there's no, you're wasting your time, or you're, you're leading someone else down the wrong road. If God says it, then, then just do it, and you know, you'll know in your heart what God is telling you to do. Don't defile yourself. Don't go away from God's will in your life. Make sure you are following after him. I'm going to keep reading. Coming close, last point here. So I already read verse 17, where God is giving these four young men an unusual aptitude and understanding for every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. So in verse 18, when the training period ordered by the king was complete. So this isn't just the, the four uh, little Jewish boys who, who were up and coming. This is the whole, everyone, all the Babylonian boys that are up and coming also. So this is, they're all mixed in here. So when the training period ordered by the king was complete, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as these four young men, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. Daniel actually was a leader in Babylon longer than King Nebuchadnezzar, longer than the two kings after him. Daniel was uh, actually a, had a high up position, and it makes you think this is kind of weird, right? He, he wasn't supposed to be a high-ranking official for, for Babylon. He, he was from the tribe of Judah. He, he was uh, a a young man of God, he had a different trajectory, but he was still able to, even through the takeover of Babylon, even through getting, even through getting put into captivity, even through them trying to take away his identity, even through uh, him separating himself and choosing not to defile himself, even through what should have made him weaker compared to all the other young men, even through all of that, he still rose to the top of his class. He rose to the top uh, of the government officials. And, and it just makes me think, what, what are the areas in my life that I'm like, well, I don't want to be doing this thing. So even though I'm here, I'm just going to kind of put a little bit of effort into it. I'm not going to. 
I'm not going to go all out because this isn't what I really want to do. I think that this is a good example uh, of God taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it for good. I think this is the good example uh, of Daniel, and we're going to see in the future young people in the next coming weeks, that Daniel is able to shine a light on his God, the one true God, that they, that they did not know before. And I think it's an example to us that whatever situation we're in, even if we feel like it's not what we want to do, even if we feel like it's captivity, and I could be talking to some of you guys about your job, I could be talking to you about some of you in school, I could be talking to you about some of you in something else, even if it's not what you think you should be doing, what you thought you would be doing, what you intended, you need to do your best, and that's point number three. You need to do your best at all things. Maybe some of you guys are not going to be uh, in education your whole life. You're not going to become doctors, but you still need to do well in school. You still need to graduate. Maybe some of you guys are working in a job that you don't think is the, the right job for you, not your calling. I, I worked at an establishment called In-N-Out Burger for 17 years. Some of you guys might love In-N-Out Burger. Who, you guys like In-N-Out? A nice double-double animal style. Some, some fresh-cut fries and a Neapolitan shake. Uh, I love the company. I, I love the ownership. Um, it was a great company to work for, but never did I think that I would work there 17 years. Never did I think that I was going to be flipping burgers for life. Uh, I, I got the job when I was a teenager. Um, even went through college, was able to transfer, even through coming up in ministry, even going to Arizona and helping a church plant, even coming back, even planting Life Church. Uh, I went through many, many years of working at a job that, that was fine, but it was not my calling. It, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Uh, and there were times when I was frustrated. Why do I work here? Why am I not doing this? Why am I not doing that? Why, why is it this? And, and believe me, I had the times when I was, and, and, and I've repented, I, but I've had the times when I would grumble and complain and not want to do my best. And I never planned on working there 17 years, but uh, uh, as I was there, more years, and I realized I'm going to be here longer than I at first anticipated, uh, I decided, okay, since I'm here, I'm going to do my best. And I went into management. I went to In-N-Out Burger University. I became a manager. I went back to In-N-Out Burger University again and became a, a higher level manager. I, I was like third in charge of a multi-million dollar store that was serving burgers. And, and it was cool. Like I learned awesome things. I, I was doing uh, labor analysis. I was doing inventory. I was doing profit loss. I, I, I was in charge of things that for the company were important financially. But I learned after a long time in and out and a long time in a job that I didn't think was for me or what I wanted to be doing, I learned that God had me there. And I learned that it was a place that it wasn't about the burger. It wasn't about the, the profit for the company. It was about the people I worked with. 
and I found myself, and, and you know, I mean, I didn't try to like completely compartmentalize, but when I went to In-N-Out, like I was a manager and I had to take care of things, but everyone knew I was in ministry, everyone knew I was a part of the church, everyone knew I was in church leadership, and there were times when it, we would have a, a tough shift or we would, would do whatever, or it was just a normal shift, everything should have been easy, and someone would come and say, Danny, can, can I talk to you about something that doesn't have to do with burgers and fries? And I said, of course. And there were many times where people came to me with their real-life struggles, going through issues at home, going through just, you know, things of life. And they said, can you pray for me? And time and time again, th I was that person for someone that never went to church. Time and time again, I was that person for, for people who were never around Christians. Time and time again, I found out that I was the only person in someone's life that even knew how to pray. And they would find me, and I would pray for them. And... And it was, I mean, it, it took me a long time to realize that God had me at in and out for a purpose. Uh, obviously, it did good for my, it, it did well for my family, too. Cheryl went through nursing school. She's an amazing nurse now, and it's, and it's awesome. Um, but my encouragement to you, whether you're a student in school, whether you're working a job that you maybe don't necessarily think is what is for you, whether you're in a situation that you don't think is the best, God wants to use you wherever you're at. So do your best. Don't, don't, show, up to, don't show up to school late. Don't show up to work late. Don't, don't show up with a bad dis disposition. God says that, that you should do what he has before you with, without complaining and without grumbling. And I think that we are a testament to God we are a testament to him and who we live for when we do well at the things that we don't even want to do. You know, when you're doing your chores and you're at the house and, and you could just real quickly vacuum just real quick and kind of leave it kind of sloppy, or you could do that good job and make your parents real proud. Or you could be at work and you could just throw together the report uh, and not really care about it, but you could take your time, you could do it right, and you can do it well. You could show up to work, and instead of running by all frazzled and not caring about the other people around you, you could take your time and notice that there are people in your life that do not know Jesus, and you are the only connection that they will ever have. I think that through this story, and young people, we're going to keep going through it, um, I think that through what we see Daniel doing, we can find ways that we will stay close to God for ourselves, that, that we will stay close to God, that, that he will, we will know our identity, that we will know our calling, that, that we will be able to, to resist what is, else is around us. But I think as we step out and do what is in front of us, we will be a bright, shining light for the people around us that we can share God's love to someone that would have never seen it. I think that as God is drawing us close to him, it is not just for ourselves, but it's for the people around us also. I'm going to pray for you guys this morning. God, I pray right now that, that as we are reading through the book of Daniel, 
that we've read this first chapter and we see Daniel doing some pretty crazy things in a situation where he could have given up, where he could have given in, where he could have gone with what the world was telling him. He stuck to his identity. So God, I pray right now for everyone in the room, for everyone listening, that we would stick to what you have for us that we would know that you have called us children of God, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High, that we are made in your image, that we are your masterpiece. God, I pray for anyone in the room right now that is battling with low self-worth, with depression, with anxiety, because of what this world has put on them. God, I pray that you would release that from them right now in Jesus' name, and that they would know that they are made in your image that they are beautiful, that they are unique, that they are wonderful, and they are made with a purpose. God, I pray that our identity would not be taken from us, that we would stand up for who we are. God, I also pray that in this world where it is so easy to get drawn to sin and temptation and go against what you have called us, I pray that we would resist temptation that we would separate ourselves from sin, and that we would not defile not only ourselves through sin, but through your calling, and we would do what you would have us to do. And God, I pray that in every situation, whether it's the best thing in the world that we want to be doing, or maybe something that we don't want to be doing, I pray that your people, that us, that we would do our best at whatever is before us, that we would do it without complaining, without grumbling, and that we would set an example of what it means to shine your light. I pray that your love would ooze out of everything that we do. I pray that the people around us would be drawn. I pray that we would be able to share you and your love. God, I pray that we would stay close to you and not look back. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.